much fun for all the family. That's how people are describing Southport, one of the liveliest holiday resorts in Britain today. First made popular in the late 18th century, the upper classes visited the town to bathe in the sea, and many preached the limitless health benefits of such a retreat. The perfect anecdote to the smog of Britain's cities. By the 19th century, it was already known as a refined resort, many visitors preferring it to Blackpool. And by 1820, Lord Street simply buzzed with over 20,000 gleeful holidaymakers every single year. And Southport is still as popular as ever today. I've lived here all my life, and I've driven taxis for the better part of it. It's the better way to see the town, the real Southport, beyond all the neon signs and souvenir shops. Someone told me once that 8 million people visit Southport every year, and when they get here, it's all novelty keyrings and two-course set menus and bowling. But that's the only side of this place they get to see. There's about 90,000 people actually live here. Southport's their home. So when the holidaymakers have left... Southport belongs to the 90,000. So if you really want to see Southport, you stick with me. I'll show you how this place really works, and I'll tell you about the people that make it work. And if you're patient, you might even meet some of them. And it all starts here, at dawn. Early morning. The night owls have at last crawled into bed, and there's that holy lull, the period of grace. Right now, Southport doesn't belong to anyone. Not you, not me. In the blank space between night and dawn, it belongs to the sea, to the birds, to the sky. Slowly, surely, the world wakes up and the air begins to hum, ready for the day ahead. Hundreds of kettles boiling all at once, creaking floorboards, opening curtains, the clink of milk bottles, 90,000 cups of tea. And then, the early risers, the shift workers, they dribble out onto the streets. Some of them still clinging to sleep with all the stoicism they can muster. Their day has begun, which means it's time for mine to begin too. For them, I'm not just a driver. I'm an alarm clock, a psychiatrist, I ease their hangover. And as their sleepy minds drift slowly into consciousness, they talk to me. All part of the service. I serve them and they talk to me about their service to others. Early shift would consist of being there on the ward, ready for handover, quarter past seven in the morning, till quarter to three. And you'd be lucky if you got out at quarter to three. Because like most places, if the staff haven't turned up or someone's running late, obviously means that you end up late out, which didn't used to bother me. Because, you know, at the end of the day, my main concern is the patients. Like, some of the some of the patients that used to come in were right characters. So you, you get to chat to them a little bit more. Um, and I remember this one particular old lady. She was just, she was really funny. So we'd got her ready and we was talking to her all the way through. And I did her hair for her. Get to sat out into a chair. And I found a mirror and I showed her. Well, this big smile appeared on her face and she went... Oh, aren't you lovely? Oh, thank you, thank you so much. It was like a changed, completely changed person. She was having a laugh and a joke with us. And this doctor, this young doctor, he was one of the new interns on the ward. And Doris, as we call her, she turned around and she went, Oh, now he's good looking, isn't he? Do you think I'll be able to get his number? 
And I roared out laughing because I didn't expect her to come out with this. And I went, Doris, you can't say that. She's going, oh, he's got a lovely bum. Look, she's done me hair for me. What do you think? I have took a lot of thought and consideration into it. There has been days, there has been weeks, there's been months where I've been like, nope, that's it, I'm coming out of it. I've had enough of it now. It's, you know, it's got the better of me. You know, it's it's getting me down, this, that and the other. But then there's days on the back of that and months on the back of that where I'm like, no, this is the right job I'm in. I've always wanted to look after and care for people. I've had people give me compliments about it, saying, do it, you should still go in, you should still pursue your nursing, you're meant to be in nursing, you know, this, that and the other. And I thought, you know, this is what I want to be in for the rest of my days. And thinking about it now and actually talking about it, yeah, I think I actually want to remain in nursing, whether that still be with elderly persons or adults or maybe go down a different path and look after children and do the paediatric side of things. She won't be the only 14-hour shift on my watch today. She's not the only one who's dedicated her career to the service of others. The best thing about being a cabbie is... Hello, are you free? Yes. Excuse me, are you free? I need to get to Beals quickly. Just... Beals. On the double. What a nightmare. I'm hosting an enterprise conference with execs from about eight different countries. Plus we've got the Rotary in, and then there's the bloody wedding fair. And then they tell me this morning that the ribbons on the bloody chair covers are too pink. Too pink. How can something be too bloody pink? Oh. So I've got to go and buy some more on the floats and just trust that they can manage without me when the caterers turn up. Uh, can you just wait in the lay-by when you get there? I started working um, at Beals, I had always been so wonderstruck by the place since I was very, very little. To me it was this big beautiful department store and I'd, I'd worked in little grotty places and I loved the, the glass counters and the, the fragrant shelves and all of the, you know, the, the coats and then in winter it would all, they would light candles and there'd be all the Christmas music and it just seemed like such a nice inviting place. We we were always told, you know, there was kind of the gestures you had to stand in it. It was to be very warm and inviting and everyone has to be smiling and no crossed arms, you have to have your arms behind your back and be very, it was all about body language and you had to greet them as soon as they entered the department. So there was a big drive to have this very warm and friendly atmosphere. I guess it would be kind of like how you would see like a duck on water, like it looks very, it's just a duck gliding across the water while underneath there's, it's very frantic and all the feet are moving dead fast, just like how, you know, you see the front end of the store, but behind the scenes, people are getting shouted at and kind of collared and, oh, you need to open this, you need to do that. You're not smiling hard enough. It was very um, cutthroat, I'd say. It's great for the people who can love it. I think there's certain people who have a very distinct charm about them that they can work with customers and really get in there and, you know, they just know how people's mind works. They're, they're, I've met people that can do that and they're, they're fantastic. You know, they, they've been in this industry for 40, maybe 50 years and they they don't love it anymore, but they, they know how it works and, and they can manipulate it so that, you know, they're never really in... The, ba- the bad end of it, but I was never one of those people. No. 
sometimes I don't know how I manage to keep so bloody calm in the face of everything. Thank you. Like a duck on water. I like that. All that effort to appear effortless. All the parts of the machine clicking into place. And the work, the sweat, the effort required by armies of staff. Invisible. It's impressive what goes into it all. My lunchtime butty, for example, prepared and made possible by at least five people, I'll bet. Hot, sweaty, stressful, needed a good long shower after you finish a shift. Especially when you're smelling of mustard and onion and stuff as well. Not fun. The, well, the problem with the mustard was it, it was so, so hard to clean off. Like, it got on your nails and stuff. And it was, the, the mustard was really hard to clean off. What we try to do on those busy shifts is you get people in positions where they don't have to move. So if you're in the kitchen, you just make buns and you pass it on to someone who just dresses the buns. You pass it on to someone who just puts the meat on the grill and takes it off. So a lot of it, you are just in that one zone for the whole thing. If you do have to move around, it's hell because you've got like 30 people in a tiny crammed space. And it's hot, it's sweaty, the aircon wasn't the best. Everyone's shouting at each other because if one person in the kitchen does something wrong, that means that someone on the counter is getting shouted at by a customer, etc, etc. But you find those shifts really do fly by. We had one manager right when I started, back when I was 16. We had um, everything comes in on cages off the delivery truck. Um, so these cages have like a pallet on the bottom and then have four metal sides. And we had this um, small blonde manager who was like five foot two put her in the cage and put the front on and left her there for like 20 minutes. She screamed a lot. <laughs> she, yeah, she screamed quite a lot and got a bit angry, but she's a friend. She's a friend. The best thing about being a cabbie is you're everyone's friend. Everyone trusts a cabbie, and when they're in this car, they share parts of themselves that... Look, they tell me things they wouldn't tell a priest. When they ride with me, our lives intersect. They share their stories and then I drive away. For the most part, I just let them talk. I find solace in listening, and they find solace in the freedom to be completely honest. Hello, Coastline Taxis. Oh, hi there. Can I book a... Matthew, put that down. Sorry, can I book a taxi for six, please, from Southport train station? Yeah, OK. Uh, the next six will be about 20 minutes. Yeah, it's fine. OK, where are you going to? It's to the Royal Clifton Hotel, please. Matthew, will you stop messing Kath? Will you tell him? Sorry about that. Uh, it sounds like you're going to hands up. Uh, just name the name for the book. Yep, sure. It's under Simon. They're just a bit overexcited. We come for our holidays here every year. Oh, that's lovely. Okay, that'll be about 20 minutes for you. Is that all right? Yep, lovely. Thank you very much. So Southport originally was a fisherman's village with just houses and church town. You can still see the now if you go up there, there are houses with the thatch roofs. And then I suppose during the Victorian times when holidaying started to become popular with the, the, the more wealthy, then the investments in Southport began. Some investments from Manchester, Preston, Liverpool, the investments came and houses started to, 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 to be built so people could come and holiday. Other than that, before that, Southport was sand dunes. Um, with the development, the sea still came into Southport, and if the sea tide rose too high, then you would get flooding into the town. 
to stop the flooding into the town of Southport, they built the seawall. So you would walk up Neville Street and go shopping, and then you could go down an underpass and there'd be like stalls on the, on the gardens. Um, and little punching duties and donkey rides. And then that had sort of stretched down the beach. But as the development came on, this working class end started to get pushed. While much of the original resort hasn't changed, the town has been modernised over the years and boasts all the latest holiday essentials, such as the thrilling amusement park, Pleasureland, complete with the famous Cyclone roller coaster. With death defying twists and turns, the Cyclone certainly lives up to its name. Just be sure to leave your ice cream with mum before boarding. Add to this an array of cafes, health spas, hotels and one of the longest piers in England and it's easy to see why fathers, daughters, mothers and sons are choosing to spend their summers here. Why not take a stroll around the marina or try your luck in the arcades? There's plenty to do at night too, from live entertainment to partner dancing. And don't forget Southport's spectacular themed Venetian nights with live music, fireworks and a delicious picnic on the marina in your very own gondola. Oh yes! The word on everybody's lips at summertime is Southport. Now is a different time. Parts of the Southport I remember still exist. Some buildings, some streets. But sometimes the paint is peeling or there's a thin layer of muck. It was in the 70s. Brutalist concrete buildings sprung up. Now they nestle barefaced between original Edwardian architecture. Where once there was a cafe, now stands a takeaway with slimy slabs of meat slowly spinning. Or look at the old bank now, a pizza express. If you look from the sky downwards, many buildings have this ornate sandstone cornicing. And as the eye travels further, these bow out sharply giving way to glass, halogen lights and shop dummies. What was once candy floss and novelty postcards, now it's all linoleum tiles and Dorothy Perkins and next customer please. Southport's great, you know, I always say people look up. So if you're walking down Wall Street, look up. Some of the buildings are spectacular. And it's a great asset for us to sell, you know, the canopies, the Victorian seaside town. But then, as you said, we can mix that in with some modern architecture. You know, the Moonway Bridge is a great example of, you know, it really stirred up feelings when we proposed that. Now it's, from a marketing point of view, it's great. You know, it's such a unique settling point of Moonway Bridge. We mark ourselves what we call England's classic resorts. And again, that means sort of high quality, that's like you know, unique, cool. And that sometimes can be misinterpreted, but yeah, we need to make sure that the offer is there so people can make those purchases. I think Southport's very unique where it's actually split into three quite clear zones where you have Chapel Street, which is your multinationals. You then have Lord Street that contains multinationals and a lot of independents, which Southport is famous for Lord Street, that's our USP. Um, the issue is Lord Street has suddenly, sometimes it's gone down a little bit than it did 10 years ago. We need to get that to, to back the quality where it was. And between Lord Street and the promenade, you have that really traditional seaside uh, town areas where you have your amusement arcades, you have your rock shops, your postcards, your fish and chip shops. And on a sunny day, they do amazingly well. I think we've got to realise that we're still a coastal town. We still have to have that industry where people will come for a day out. They want to go on a TP slot machine. They want a bag of fish and chips. But at the same time, we need to make sure we've got the high-quality retail on Lord Street where people can purchase you know, expensive items and, and browse the jewellery shops. If it wasn't for the visitor numbers, then obviously we wouldn't be where we are today. Um, and we did take a, take a hit on the day visitors when Liverpool won open. But that 8 million visitors, we get over 600,000 of them stay. 
over as well, so over two nights. The whole what we call the visitor economy in terms of value, it's worth over 400 million a year to Southport. It employs over 4,800 people into jobs. We've got to make sure that those visitor numbers grow and grow and grow because so much of livelihoods depend on it. You know, all those retailers, you know, attractions, hospitality, accommodation. He's right. People will always come to Southport for a day out and they'll enjoy it and we'll enjoy having them. And if we don't enjoy them, well, at the very least, we'll need them. But then something else happens. The sun sets and the shutters go down and Southport no longer belongs to the tourists and holidaymakers. No, when it grows dark and cold, Southport belongs to the 90,000. Closing time and the town is theirs. Tourists to smile at and serve, Southport becomes so much more than balloons and the boxes of chips. It's the boozy neon nights, it's the boys playing pool in an Irish pub, it's the sound of a dental hygienist wailing along to killing me softly, it's sticky floors and pizza boxes, all you can eat Chinese, throbbing music, rows of Ford Escort taxi cabs, mine just one of them. You can still smell candy floss in yesterday's chips, but it's fading now as the smell of sticky cider takes its place. Come on, the meter's running. Where to ladies? Uh, Leo's Bar, uh, Neville Street. What time is it please? It's just gone midnight. Been on long? Oh, something like that. But you'll be home asleep long before I am. Not if my friend Jack Daniels has anything to do with it. <laughs> Over. Uh, just here is fine, thanks. Is this enough? Uh, keep the change. Enjoy yourself. Oh, I will. The night is young yet. It's only just beginning. <laughs> thanks. going well. It is absolute chaos sometimes. Um, but I, I, I love my job. I, I care for it a lot. Um, I've got a good team. I know what they're doing. And we seem to keep the guests and the management happy, so we must be doing something right. <laughs> I'm working very long, stupid hours at the minute, but it's needed. I don't mind doing that, because it means it gets the job done. 
there's a prank called Dizzy Blonde. So whenever anyone ordered a partner Dizzy Blonde from me, it was like, hey, hey, partner Dizzy Blonde from the Dizzy Blonde. And I'd be like, yeah, great. Sarah. No. Sarah. No, Mark, I said no. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I'll apologise. It was just a laugh. I'm not interested. It was just a laugh, okay? C come back inside. I don't believe you. You always do this. You always do it. And now I'm going to see everyone in work and they'll all know. And, and well, we work, Mark. We both work there. We're going to see everyone and they'll all be talking about us. Why do you always humiliate me in front of my friends? Sarah. Talking about us, I bet they're talking about us right now. And they hear barman and other and pouring drinks. Well, that might be the case at like a nightclub or even just a standalone bar, but with something like this, it's completely different. I've, I've worked with people who have done that job and thought this is a piece of cake and they've walked out because they couldn't hack it, they couldn't cope. The hours are demanding. It can take a lot out of you, especially on weekends. When we've got, say, two, three functions on at the same time. But it's that achievement at the end when you, you've done well, guests are happy, your boss is happy, and everything's done, and you can just sit down and know that you've done a good job. Um, I like talking to people. I like it when it's quiet because your feet don't hurt as much and you can actually talk to people a bit when you're serving the pies. And I think they enjoy that as well. Um, and some of the things that they tell you, they like, you're just not close enough or it's things that I wouldn't tell my friends, but they tell you because you're just there. When everything's done, sit down and we have a beer together. It's our tradition. It'll never change. <laughs> it's just me, even if... Even if it's not your thing, you need it. If you've got, um, if you've got a problem with something in life or with someone, if it's only little, just let it go. And if it's something major, get it sorted. So, here we are, early morning. The night owls have at last crawled into bed and there's that holy lull, the period of grace. Right now, Southport doesn't belong to anyone. Not you, not me. In the blank space between night and dawn, it belongs to the sea, to the birds, to the sky. I heard once that a job should advance the state of your career, the state of your wallet, or the state of your soul. Obviously, it's best if it's all three. I rely on driving tourists for my wallet. But the talking to the residents, to the 90,000, that's for my soul. I love meeting the people who make this town tick. And it does tick, without fail. It's not always easy, but as the days move, so does the town, and so do the people. When I think about it, I make Southport tick too. I'm one of the 90,000. Southport belongs to me, and it belongs to you. For a while anyway. We all pass through the town eventually, like we all pass through life. But the one constant amongst the ever-changing visitors and seasons, amongst the ever-ticking clock, throughout an entire 24 hours in this living, breathing town, the one constant throughout history and into the future, 
the one constant is the waves.